Welcome to the Austin Institute's podcast, What We Can't Not Talk About. Well, it seems like pop culture is always trying to help us diagnose what is wrong with the other people in our lives. It sees people as problems to be solved instead of mysteries to be referenced. But you know, you can take any given person and you can make them out to be a villain or a hero just depending on what you're going to pay attention to. Which brings me to lesson number five. If you look for the good, you're going to find it. Dear listeners, I'm very pleased to release another episode of our podcast, What We Can't Not Talk About. This is a recording from Marie Ballet's talk and concert delivered in Austin on September 2nd, 2022. For those who do not know her, Marie Ballet is a loving wife, a mother, and a songwriter. Um, in the midst of a materialistic world, she writes authentic Americana songs that take the listener away from the distractions and conventions of pop culture and focus upon the importance of sacrificial love. Marie Ballet orchestrates a beautiful balance between calling you out to take ownership while softening it with love, with an originally composed songs. Her key lesson, if I may, is this one. If you want to find and to live love, shift the toxic narrative written in today's me, myself, and I only culture. As she says, kids don't take away your cool factor, even though living with other people is hard. But it is only by letting go that life is more fun, she would say, and that we discover that we are stronger than we think. Enjoy the lesson. Thanks for having me here. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> I hope I can answer these questions. Yes. Well, first, I will, I will tell you about her. So Marie, she's a loving wife, mother, and a songwriter. Her songs are not just theoretical ideas about family. Well, I think they're just not just theoretical ideas uh, about um, love and family, but they are first-hand experiences um, as a daughter and a mother of a large family. She had recorded eight albums, and on top of that, she holds a bachelor's in economics and an MBA from Vanderbilt University. So, good night. Thank you for being here. Do you want to say anything else about yourself? Okay. Oh, well, I've been married for 35 years, and I have eight sons and one daughter. And uh, there, and I'm a granddaughter now, too. So that's, that's where my real education came, I think. <laughs> that was the education in life. Real, real education. Okay, so maybe I will ask you the first question. Um, so, let's just start from the end of the introduction. Because you have an MBA, um, do you think that that was worth it? Uh, I mean, we, we think that life made you a loving mother and a wife, but is it worth pursuing an education nonetheless? And after all, well, we're hosting this event. University campus, so what do you have to say? I think it is always worth pursuing an education because it improves your quality of life, actually, and 
regardless of whether you use really specific skills, it teaches you a way to think about problems, a way to problem solve. It gives you kind of a perspective on things. Um, and I wish, actually, I, I continue to take classes, actually, in theology, in history, in music. My son Luke is trying to teach me to play guitar after all these years. <laughs> but, um, no, I think, um, of course, you should be continuing your education till you can't read anymore. I also, I work with Canabox, and we're always learning stuff about the issues of the day pertaining to marriage, and it, um, no, it makes you really, uh, it, it gives your life a lot more flavor when you're always learning. So I don't regret any of my education. Thank you. I love the flavor part. Yes. Keep flavor. Especially when you're doing a PhD. It's a lot of flavor. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, you, you, you said that you have been married for 35 years. So back then, deciding to get married was already a courageous choice. Well, choice of love over your career. I didn't realize how courageous it was at the time. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you about where do you find that courage? Well, actually, um, I grew up in a big family. And I always wanted a family that's, I mean, I, I wanted, that's what I wanted to build. So to me, um, there was nothing, it, it wasn't like a detour. It's the, the most beautiful part of my life, and I just always knew that I wanted that. And I grew up in a big family, so I knew that uh, it would be very rich. And that, if I had a family, I would want um, my children to have a lot of siblings. And God has been very good to me. And I was able to find a man who shared that vision. And he was not from a big family, but he, you know, he was a pretty good sport. And I think that he's been happy <laughs> to have all those sons and that daughter. Um, and I never really thought about it as courageous. It just seemed like the thing I was completely driven to do. And it was very natural. Do you think that your husband will have the same? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, my husband is a very responsible man. And he challenges himself. He's always just like doing it all. He's a little bit of a maniac. And so I think. You know, what, what, one of the, we're pretty much opposites, but one of the qualities we share is intensity. A different, like a different kind of intensity. He's like very real world, and I'm really not. I'm just all the time thinking about things. So we're, we're pretty much opposites, but we really balance each other. And I think that, um, that having a big family has been, like, it's been great for him. Like, he's, he's never, when I found out we were having another baby, did he go, oh. he was always like, oh, really? That's great. And so that's just a very beautiful thing about him. And we both just wanted the adventure. We liked having, not knowing what was going to happen. But I always felt like 
no matter what happened, he and I, we'd stick together and it'd be all right. When we first were married, we moved overseas. My first three children were born in other countries. And I just knew he was going to take care of me. So I've always had a lot of trust in him. And that has made it kind of easy. I just roll with it. I like that. And I like what you said about it's an adventure because I was talking earlier with a friend. Um, we were saying that we usually think that when you, like, people get married, it's like, oh, the end, I made it great. But actually, it's the beginning of the adventure. So it is absolutely the beginning. The beginning. Uh, so, and trust. I like that too. Okay, so my next question is you have nine children, different ages, personalities different everything. So looking at your kids, what do you think our generation has lost regarding marriage? Um, what is the biggest mistake uh, approaching love and dating? Um, well, this sounds weird, but I, I think maybe the mistake is that people think, oh, this is going to make me happy in some kind of a passive way. And like if they just find the right person, the right lover of me, my soulmate, then it's just going to be like butter. It's just going to be so easy. And it's just not the way that it is. And I think it's all about just finding that perfect person but when it's actually about being the right person. And you need to find somebody who's got grit, who believes in something bigger than themselves who believes in sacrifice and is willing to do it. And I think a lot of times um, we have blind spots. Like if we believe in something, if we believe in ideals, if we believe there's such a thing as truth and that it's important to conform your life to it, we think, oh, everybody thinks like that. But they, they don't necessarily. So it's really important, like I, I tell my boys, a lot of unmarried sons. Um, you know, they, they need to find someone who uh, has a sense of humor about themselves, who is willing to be changed by their experience, who isn't going to be keeping track. Like, is this 50-50? You've got to give it all. And sometimes it doesn't feel very good at all. And you have to trust that it's a good idea that it's worth it, that no matter you know, what you have to go through, that it's worth it. And so it's, it's hard to find people like that. Um, but I also think that you, you don't find someone who's already a finished product. You know, how you live, you form each other. You, you form each other by um, being vulnerable to each other. If you mess up, you say, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And, but I think that nowadays, maybe people just think, no, it should already come pre-packaged. But with, really, we grow up together. Nobody knows what it's like to have children until they have children. You know, they think, oh, and then, but then it like, it hits you. And, um, so I, I think that you need to find someone who's very adaptable, but who has a strong belief that, that marriage and family is worth everything. And, and who will defer to 
to an authority, uh, to God's authority, saying, okay, well, I made a vow, and this is the right thing to do, and I'm going to stick with it. So those are the kind of people that you need to find, and that's, that's kind of like the truth of marriage. In some ways, I think the struggle in marriage isn't really with your spouse, it's with yourself. And your spouse is just the catalyst. It's like, so they, when, you, when you get married, you, a lot of times you think that you're really a good deal, you know? Look at me. And you think, yeah, I'm pretty selfless. I'm, I'm pretty generous. Then you get married, and your will is butting up against somebody else's will. And you find out what kind of a catch you really are. <laughs> you realize, I'm, you know, I'm and the hard part is, is that, like when you're dating and somebody finds out that, you know, maybe you're not so great, you move on. <laughs> but when you're married, you, you have to see the person who really sees you. And that's hard. You, you have to really um, be humble about who you are and, and, who, and who you're not. And trust that the other person's going to stay with you anyway. So we're coming back to the trust part. Um, well, the adventures part. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, what can I say? I hope you are taking notes about this. What do you have to look for? Um, and good humor. I love that part. I think it's important. Okay. And I think this is my last question. So besides listening to your songs, um, yes, but besides that, what is your advice to young men and women, or the people here, um, about love, marriage, or like any advice that you think people have to know about love? Mm. Well, I think my advice is to not be afraid, to, to, to jump in and to, to, um, to give yourself, give all of yourself. And uh, that's the most rewarding thing that there is. Um, but you, you know, you, you gotta watch out for the red flags when you're dating, and there's plenty of them. But you just keep, keep an eye on what it is that you, that you wanna build. If you wanna build a family, you have to find someone who shares that. There's a lot of um, assumptions we make about people, but you, you have to kind of see how the other person deals with failure. You know, there's a lot of people who really are trying to be perfect. They think they have to be perfect to be loved, and that they're going to earn their love. And when they confront failure, they kind of collapse. You need somebody you can work with who's going to say, yeah, you know, we really messed up. But it's the person who's going to get back up and start again. Um, that's who you're looking for. But anyway, I got all kinds of advice. Okay, well, so listen, and I do have a microphone. But most of the <laughs> but my actually a lot of my songs, a lot of what I'm going to tell you all about tonight um, is that advice. So I, I'm, uh, I'm working on, I, I write songs all the time, and just kind of in my head, I'm trying. I started writing because I was trying to make sense of things, and really. Um, when we came back from overseas and we were in America and I had 
already had three kids. And um, I was at home with the kids, and it was kind of uh, isolated sometimes. And so I really wished that I had other women to talk to. And my songs were kind of like imagining maybe that you were there in my kitchen, and I wanted to tell you about this life because it's a beautiful life. And so um, that's, that's how I got started with all this, trying to find the meaning in the difficulties. And because marriage and raising kids isn't easy. And so I was just trying to explain it to myself. And sometimes it would take me like a whole year to finish a song. And I'm like, what the heck is the deal with that? And so anyway, I have a lot of those songs I'm going to sing for you tonight. And my son, Luke, son number two, he's an amazing guitar player and musician, and he's going to play for me. This is our first time to do this. It's kind of wow. So we're ready for you. All right. Okay, so um, thank you so much. Um, so there's so, have been reading a lot lately about oral traditions and like all the wisdom that is hidden under oral traditions. So you told us that we have to pay attention to your songs because there is a lot of advice. So please do that. Um, and if you want to grab some snacks, we have some out there. But please do not leave. Uh, so just pay attention and get some good advice from where you okay. So the floor is all yours. All right. Luke. Well, I'm really happy to be here to talk about all the important stuff. Love and life and marriage and family. And uh, I brought some notes with me. Otherwise, I will go off on all sorts of tangents. So for your protection, <laughs> I have some notes. But, um, you know, as we mentioned before, I have been married to the same man for 35 years. And raised nine kids, and I've learned a lot of lessons along the way, and I've put them to music. And I'm working on a new album, which I'm thinking I'm going to call Old Wives Tales, because I'm turning out to be an old wife myself. And I, sometimes I feel like I'm coming at people from a different time, because things are changing really fast. And. Um, We've forgotten about marriage and family along the way, I think. Everybody seems to be out for themselves. Um, but I want to remind the world that love is worth the sacrifice. And I want to carry on the tradition of old wives who tell everybody the way that it is. And uh, so Luke and I are embarking on a tour to fund recording some of these new songs. And this is our first stop. So I'm going to sing a few new ones. If anybody knows, I'm saying a lot of old ones too. But um, if anybody should feel called, there's a Venmo that's on the flyer out there on your way out if you want to help us out with the tour and the album. But mostly, I'm just glad you're here. And I have a microphone, and people are going to listen to me. So some of my old wives' tales might sound kind of crazy to you guys. But tonight, I just And I have broken them down into 10 lessons, okay? Lesson number one, living with 
people is hard. Now our hearts were made for love and connection. That's what makes us happy. But still, we are very irritable creatures, you know? We're always finding reasons to protect ourselves and separate ourselves from the people who are in our space. People who are critical or who slurp their coffee. It's just like people, you know? And often, you know, we might have imagined ourselves as being very loving, sacrificial, heroic people. And we imagine doing great things for one another. Things that other people would notice, admire, and maybe even write about, you know? But it turns out that most of the sacrifices we have to make are just really irritating. And nobody notices at all. Not even the one we're sacrificing for. But we are transformed by enduring those irritations and the little things. Which brings me to my first song, It's the Little Things. It occurred to him that lately his life was not hard. She was always on the phone, or driving kids round in the car. There were rappers on the dashboard, and toys out in the yard. No lately his life just wasn't up to par. He was driving home from work, it had been too long a night. When he noticed a Camaro trying to pass him on the right.
Yeah. 
to this lonely, anxious world, to see someone at peace and in love with their family. A happy family is a work of art. It is an icon of sacrificial love. It is our gift to the world. All right, lesson number three. Control is an enemy to love. If we try to control everything, we're not going to be happy. Sure, we need to be responsible and order our days, but we have to make room for the unexpected conversation, for the change in plans, the unpredictability of life. But we're told that successful people have everything under control. They are too smart to get stuck doing the dirty, stinky, boring work of taking care of others. And the message seems to be that if we are smart, popular, good-looking, rich and in shape, no one will be able to resist but to love us, and the world will be at our feet. But do you know anyone like that? Nobody wants to be around people like that. We are drawn to people who engage with us and see the good in us. It's like, remember when you were little and Grandma would come over and you were so excited to see her? That's because she was so excited to see you. They say that to give is to receive, but I think that to receive is to give. I think that's true too. And I don't think we receive each other very well anymore. Not when we're all caught up in our own projects and all the constant electronic distraction and entertainment. We're kind of just isolated behind this wall of our own making. It actually takes a lot of self-control to be present to others. You have to notice the tone of the voice, the look in the eye. That's not easy. You ever tried to listen to some third grader tell you a story about what happened in school? It takes incredible self-control. But we're such a gift to each other when we do, when we will receive each other. We don't want to turn into one of those perfect people who has everything under control and no time for others. That's all about that. She's got her calendar 
Yeah. 
slaughtered. I'm always like, oh, don't do it. But I was so moved by these daffodils that I wrote a song for them. And the more I thought about this song, I thought, actually, it was kind of a song about my husband, strangely, and about rediscovering his brash, you know, his, his, his goodness. He has a lot of uh, exuberance. And uh, I have to appreciate that, not get, like, why are you being so loud? So anyway, this song is about the daffodils. ourselves. 
I used to think that if I just got a really good night's sleep and went for a run, that I could be kind and patient and loving all day. I was going to do it myself. And you know what? It only lasts an hour or two. And in the end, you know, we're just kind of small, self-absorbed, loveless creatures. We have to ask God for it. That's the only place we can get it. If we want that peace, if we want faith, hope, and love, we've got to ask God for it. Now, when I'm feeling empty, I know what I need to do is spend a lot of time in silence. To listen to God, who made me, who thought I was a good idea, apparently. And examine myself in his loving gaze. And make some resolutions. Admit what I'm not good at and ask him to, to fill in the blanks. But this next song is about a woman who also wants to be transformed, but is kind of barking up the wrong tree because she's looking to the world to make her lovable. This song is called Saturday Afternoon. She was beginning to feel some agitation on Saturday afternoon. A restless and wild imagination went spinning around the room. Nothing to eat in the kitchen, nothing to watch down the hall. Clearly something was missing. What could she do? She went to the Was it all a bad dream with the man in his laughing she 
and men, uh, when we allow men to be men and women to be women, life really flourishes. You know, men really aren't as good at relationships as women are, but they are just as important. Just knowing that dad is around means everything. The father makes it safe for all of that yummy, beautiful nurturing to happen. You know, they can often seem stern and distant, but dads challenge us to go out into the world and to do our best. My dad used to say, if you aren't being persecuted, you aren't doing anything. So this next song is about my own father and the faithful example he gave to all of us of a man who really believed that there was such a thing as truth and would do anything to conform his life to that truth. It's called Odeni.
Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I think we all have something, right? We all get some advice, good advice, right? From all of the songs. Um, I was going to play by ear to see what should we do. Um, so we have now some time for the Q&A's before Luke's song. So anyone have like, a burning question you want to ask to Marie? Wonderful. Um, so I'll give you the microphone. I didn't know if anybody was ever going to hear 
specific you make it, the more general it is. So I was just writing these songs that were like pretty autobiographical. And I would get all these letters from women saying, you're writing about my life. And it's actually been a beautiful thing for me because you, you feel so alone. And then, you know, that's the, the thing about art, that you, you're no longer alone. You realize somebody else. So, I mean, I think sometimes there's like this emotional correctness, like we're supposed to act like everything's so great. That doesn't help anybody, you know? Uh, women do that to each other sometimes. You know, like if you were virtuous, you wouldn't be having any trouble. Well, that's not true at all. And so I, I kind of feel like, um, like the husband-wife fight songs. That's, you know, that's everybody. I didn't know that until I wrote it when people told me that. Um, so it, it's been kind of a good thing for me. And as I've gone around with some of the audiences, I've realized how many good people there are in the world, too. I mean, it's, it's been uh, an unexpected pleasure to be able to kind of share about my life with other people. More questions? Um, not to derail the focus too much. I could geek out about the music side of things for days. But um, could you talk just a little bit about your writing process uh, and like maybe how that's evolved over time and whether like wh which aspects kind of come first, which maybe are more of a struggle, whether you tend towards coming up with lyrics first or structure or melody because it all fits together very nicely. Like, uh, it's kind of an accident every time, I have to say. Um, Luke knows all about songwriting. It's like I never learned about it. I, but I listened to a lot of country music. Not growing up, but uh, when I first went to, went to college, I was at Rice. And, and I wanted to sing, so I just said, oh, I'm a singer. I'm looking for a band. And I was just faking it. But he said, well, you have to learn some country songs. And I'd never listened to that. But I, as I learned them and, and sang them, I realized so many of them were stories. And that they, they had so much power because they were just like these everyday stories. So I, I don't know what my process is. It's like something will go round and round in my head, like um, usually if I'm mad about something or, or there'll be a phrase that just sounds conversational. And, or, or just an image in my head, and I'll think, why is that? What is it about that? And I have to kind of figure out what that song is about. Like that song, Don't You Think I Count? You know, this husband-wife fight song. I, you know, I started writing that, and I thought, well, you can't just, like, complain, you know? Like, a lot of times I'll start writing about something that bugs me, and I think, I have to find out what's redeeming in that. Not in all of them. Sometimes the songs are just like, this is how it is. Like, I've got this song called, I'm the wife of a busy man. Huh? You know, that's what it is. A lot of them are doing that. Or I've got, uh, I've got a song that I wrote about when my oldest left for college, and, and I still hadn't had my youngest yet. And so I was kind of faced with the pain of the oldest one leaving. 
good, so I've done it right, and I'm just going to start by saying what's true, and the name of the song is, I've got nothing to say, and it's just a meditation on how sometimes things are so over your head, you've got nothing to say about them, and so usually what I do is I, I write the words and the music at the same time, it's the rhythm, if I, if I start having an idea for a song, I'm afraid to, like, have it too, so I start doing something else. I'll start rearranging furniture or paint something or go. It's like I have to fool myself into not thinking about it too much. And then it, it kind of, it just sort of falls in there. And I have no idea why. But then you get to a critical mass on the, on the song where, okay, that's something. That this chorus, and I thought that usually I start with an image for the first verse. And then the hard part is coming up the second and the third verse. And that's when it gets like really obsessive. But I walk and I drive and I do things so da 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 you know? It's just like, to me it's part of life. The writing is part of life. And luckily there's no deadlines and nobody's waiting for me to write another song. So whenever it's done, it's done. Thank you. Do we have more questions? I mean, uh, I had the pleasure of talking to Marie a little bit before she got started. Um, a lot of what she's saying about is lived experience for me. But I was wondering if you would, or if you have time to do an encore song, and I would ask that there was a special song you wrote about your husband and um, his daily life when he would get up at the alarm clock and how he compared it with the passion of Christ and how the love of Christ and his love for his family came together. And you called that song? One Hero That's right. I love that song. And it made me very, very deeply appreciate my husband every day he got up. Well, I'm so glad. I. Somebody told me one time that that song gave them an excuse to love their husband again. Because, you know, people can get so mad. And they stop seeing the, the good. And, and, you know, like I say, you just take for granted. This guy's a good guy. Like, he's sticking with me. He's getting up every day. And he's coming home every night. And so that I remember writing that song. Um, because my husband would get up impossibly early. And we were just both. <laughs> But he was constant and faithful. And that song is a tribute to that. We don't know how to play it together. But, and so I'm, I'm sorry. That's fine, but it was, I just wanted to thank you for writing that song. It's very beautiful, and I yeah. uh, would ask anybody that would like to appreciate their husband and appreciate their, their spouse and their gift to their family and to their marriage. It's a very beautiful song. Thank you. Do we have more questions? You need to ask whatever you want. I mean, she's a lawyer, she goes to large family, she knows. I love the entire performance. It's so beautiful to see how you found beauty just seemingly one main one is going to the grocery store. There's so much like detail and beauty and the 
we get to close out tonight. <laughs> and uh, I kind of guess this song, well, somebody asked about that. I feel it's very appropriate. I'm going to play a song called The Mary Song that I wrote. Uh, not so much that I intended to write, but I sort of was taken by it. Maybe the song wrote me. And uh, we have Maria Jose, my mother Marie, and then Mariana. <laughs> so many Marys. So I figured it was appropriate. So without further ado, oh yeah, I wanted to say also grab my mom's flowers as well. I think they're on that uh, stand over there. And uh, thank you, the Austin Institute, for having us. And thanks for coming down. It's really fun. for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode of our show What We Can't Not Talk About. If you like this episode, 
Remember to share it among your friends, subscribe to our channel, and if you can, please donate to the Austin Institute. With your support, we can continue to do this, we can continue our programming, and of course, we will continue to support the research of our fellows. Thank you.